You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, Antioch. Everybody good? good. I got about 15. Everybody good, right? It's good, good time. Anybody get wet coming in today? Anybody get wet? So, sorry about that. We've had a crazy weather here, haven't we? So 95 and then rain, all that kind of good stuff. So hey, welcome today to corporate worship. Uh, those watching online, it means a lot that you're joining us. If you're a first-time guest, that means a lot to us. I know it's a big deal to walk into a new church, so I hope you'll feel welcome here. We're honored that you're here. And uh, this is a neat season for our, our church family and uh, with graduation. So how many graduates are in the room today? If you're a graduate, would you please stand? just want to welcome you and just honor you today. If you're a graduate, stand up. Don't be ashamed. All right? Awesome, man. Good. Good. I'm proud of you and your accomplishments and uh, uh, parents and grandparents, especially parents. Man, it's just like, you know, handing them off to somebody else. I can recall that, but it all works out good. I know it was harder for us with our daughters than it was our sons, but it's still a big deal. So uh, we're excited about what God's doing. And uh, I think we maybe have, what are we, maybe 18 graduates or more, 20 graduates from Antioch. And so we're uh, proud of you. And they had a good group the first hour. And so uh, looking forward to what God has for your, for your lives. Hey, just a moment ago, we heard from Paul and uh, what's happening with Converge, that organization out there in Indian Hills. We have a meeting today at 11.30 right across the room here. If you want to go and be a part of a mission trip to help kind of fix things up there, there's a church building that's been empty for over a year, maybe two years. There's a, a parsonage, a house to live in that needs to be refurbished. And so we encourage you, if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, to show up and just to hear what's going on, at least to find out what's going on and see how that would work for your schedule. And they have the dates. I think it's the last, maybe the third week in June, I think, is the week to do that and to be a part of that. We're excited about what God's doing here at Antioch by his grace and to send Marcus off. He's been with us for 10 years and has served well here and excited to see him go out there to Indian Hills and to start a church. We have a son in Denver. We have a son and his family in Durango. And so we're not too far from there. I'm kind of thinking about maybe kind of six months here, six months there. Uh, but it'd be neat to see what God's going to do there and to be a part of that. And thank you, church, for your support and for your encouragement. We're going through a series together as a church family. We started here a couple of weeks ago called Mental Health and the Gospel. Mental Health and the Gospel. Uh, so I want to pray with you right now. It's going to jump into some data here and then get into God's Word in Psalm 42 and looking forward to what God has for us today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering. We don't take that lightly. We know you're not confined to this space but in reality, when we come here, we bring you with us. Thank you for your presence. You are an awesome God and so worthy of worship today. We thank you for the word. Use your word, God, to change us, to challenge us, to correct us, instruct us. 
I'm proud of our graduates and this new season for them and then the next steps for them, perhaps in college or other opportunities, uh, that God, they'll keep their focus on you as well. We pray for family members and we have guests that are here. We welcome them as well. These are those defining moments and uh, great seasons for our lives to intersect with each other. Thank you for, again, the time together in your word. Uh, Change us. Encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. Amen. Our focus today will be on depression. And then next week, we're going to look at anxiety. Let me just give you a couple statistics here. According to the American Psychological Association, rates of depression among U.S. adults were about four times higher between April 2020 and August 2021. The New York Times writes this in reports. The rates of depression have tripled since the pandemic from 8% to 10% in that range. And now the range and the rate is about 30% depression rate. So we've seen an, an uptick in our culture with more and more depression. Another New York article reads this. It's called Life or Death, the Mental Health Crisis Among U.S. Teens. Depression, self-harm, Suicide are rising among American adolescents. The decline in mental health among teenagers was intensified by the COVID pandemic, but it predated that as well. Recent studies have shown that teenagers in the United States and worldwide increasingly report feeling lonely, even in a period where their internet use has actually exploded. They're hanging out with friends but no friends are there. We just live in a, in a different world. We, we feel that, don't we, church? We, we see it in our culture. We, we see it in our, our city. Uh, we see it in education. We see it in our church family. This is a good time for us to look in God's word and say, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for us in our lives? The truth of your word. So, so what is depression? How would you define depression? Well, here's how Miriam Webster defines it. Depression is a mood disorder that is marked by varying degrees of sadness, despair, and loneliness, and that is typically accompanied by inactivity, guilt, loss of concentration, social withdrawal, sleep disturbances, and sometimes suicidal tendencies. So we get the the feel of the weight of what depression can do and just the different levels of depression and what that can look like. So how does depression start? I believe that depression first begins with just a a season sometimes of discouragement. You get get discouraged and then discouragement can sometimes lead to a level of of depression. I've shared my story here at Antioch. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail again today. But in 2005 and then 2015, there were some seasons for us, about a three-year season, each of those sections, where I just fell into a season of depression. Uh, I wanted to say, first of all, you that were there then, thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for your faithfulness. That means a lot, church. I'm so thankful for that. But God used that season and is still using that season. I think some of us have maybe just... We're just wired differently. I, we don't make excuses about that. But I, I think some of us have a, a prone to maybe being more depressive or discouraged than others. How we're wired, our, our personalities, how that looks. 
And so I, I know for me, it, it just started, and man, it just got worse and worse. I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. Uh, I, I know I shared our story. We sold our house, moved into apartments, said, we got to, I got to get out of Dodge, got to get light to get out. A quick trip looked good, you know. I thought, I'll go to quick trip and work at quick trip. Had just weird thoughts. I, I just avoided counseling. I thought, I don't need to be counseled. I don't need counseling. But my wife and other leaders and encouragers said, you need to go to counseling. And, and thank God, God uses biblical counselors to help you navigate and work through that. And there's nothing to be ashamed about for doing that, church family. There's nothing wrong with that. God, God uses that and encourages you with that. And so I want to, today, as we look through this passage, just to encourage you that through all of what happens, and again, in this season right here, that that God is present in our depression. Uh, God hasn't abandoned us. God hasn't left us. God is with us in it. So I want to encourage you with that. I want to also give you, before we jump into Psalm 42, just a disclaimer. For for instance, first of all, it's not possible to put depression in one bucket. Okay, we just can't define one depression form, just one, one bucket. For some of you, there are other factors going on with your depression. Uh, some of them are very deep and very hard to, to work through. We all have different uh, physiological makeups. We have different personalities and how all that works. Uh, we have past traumatic experiences in life. Uh, those kind of things that happen that can kind of shape us in those areas. Uh, I don't have any idea today in this room what you're experiencing even today, perhaps, with some depression or in your past. But, I'm, it's, but it's a real church. It, it happens, and it's good for us uh, to navigate through that, to always look to God's word, amen, the gospel, and see what God has to say to help us move us through that. Depression can show up in different ways. It can sometimes even catch you by surprise. It can be in different situations. You may need to pursue counseling. Biblical counseling, I encourage you for that. You may need to make an appointment to see your doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. You may need to come around somebody else to help and and speak truth into your life. Because when you're going through depression, you you have this, you know, um, listening to yourself deal where you're just listening to yourself and you're no longer talking and saying, here's what God says, here's who I am because of who God is. Those are so important. We're going to get into that as we look into Psalm 42. So if you have your Bible, join me in Psalm 42. Uh, uh, Week number one, when Pastor Steve initiated this mental health and the gospel series, he asked the question, and here's the question he asked, how does the gospel view of life affect our view of mental health? I think that's a great question. He gave three statements for us week one. Mental health struggles don't define me. Jesus Christ defines me. Amen? Jesus Christ defines me. Mental health doesn't have to define me. Mental health, number two, struggles don't take me off guard. I I realize they can happen. It can take place. Number three, mental health struggles strengthen my relationship with Christ. Uh, When I went through depression, especially in both times, I, I I just spent time in the Psalms. Spent time in the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. You can read through the Psalms in a month. If you read five Psalms a day, you can get through it in a month. It just be over and over again, reading through the Psalms and, and hearing the, the Psalmist cry out when he said, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust, Psalm 16, 1. 
Psalm 16, verse 8, I, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. And you just begin to grab those promises and you begin to see the, the greatness of God. Amen, church? The goodness of God and his faithfulness. And God can use his word. It's a living document, amen? And God can use his word to change our lives. Again, there may be a season you need to seek biblical Bible counseling. You need to go and see your doctor and make an appointment, all right? Those are all significant, but don't, again, disparage the truth of God's word and what God's word can do in your life. And then gathering other people around you who can speak truth into your life. Because when you're in that season, you know that, I know that, you're not, you're not speaking truth to your life. And have someone in your life that can encourage you and speak truth to you. So Psalm, Psalm 42. This psalm was penned by artisans, by musicians. It says here in the opening, these were the sons of Korah. And, and they were skillful and artistic. They were literally appointed by David uh, to, to lead in corporate worship in the temple. And so you get, here's the picture of this in this psalm of musicians, of those who had responsibility in the house of God. Verse 1. The psalmist says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Feel the weight of that. My food has been my tears day and night. Well, all day long people say to me, where's your God? Where's your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and, and thankful shouts. There was this time where they were, they were leading people to the house of God and now it's a season for him. It's a season of depression. Verse number five, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse six, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Oops, excuse me. All your breakers and billows, billows are swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. Well, all day long they say to me, where is your God? My soul, why are you dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. And everybody said, amen to the word of God. Amen, amen, amen to God's word. We're going to mention here today and look at four truths that will help us defeat depression. Four truths from God's word to help us defeat depression. First, we see the psalmist here, and it's the truth for us. He had this thirst for the living God. What can happen is you can lose your thirst. We can get wrapped up in what's happening 
to me, and I get that, rightfully so, but to remember, and he just puts it here in such detail, and the word picture here, as a deer longs for or pants for flowing streams. Without water, they don't exist. There's this picture here, I believe, of like a spiritual drought. That we can experience a spiritual dryness. Amen, church? We're just dry. There's even times you read the Bible, it's like, I don't, I don't get anything. I, I hear a sermon or I don't even get anything out of it. I just Because we're, we're in a season of dryness, we see that. This picture of this deer panting for water. We see this thirst for God from the psalmist and his honesty of longing for him. Do you long for God? I mean, we think about we got vacations coming. It's good. We, we have, we're longing for a vacation, right? We get all that. We, we're, we have events that are coming like graduation. We just can't wait to get there and be a part of that. So we understand this dynamic of longing. Amen, church? Uh, I remember like our, our family, we don't get, maybe get to see them as often as we like. And we just, I just long to see them. We can do FaceTime and all that stuff, but just longing. Do you just feel the weight of that, church? I'm longing here, this, this, this weight of my thirst for God. The word here, the soul thirst, the soul represents who you are. It represents your life and what you do, your, your inner thirst. This longing for God is a great picture. So according to Psalm 42, 1 and 2, one of the first steps out of depression is this longing for God. This growing in your relationship with God, church family, is a step towards working out of our depression. Number two is pour out your soul. Pour out your soul. We see here in verse three, the psalmist says, my tears have been my food day and night. Again, we just feel like, man, this is, these are desperate times. And the tears that I've, and the, all that's going through, it's, it's my food day and night. And people are saying, where is your God? And I remember as I pour out my heart, he begins to reflect on how, this, how the times that he was going to the temple. These were musicians, the sons of Korah. And so he remembers those good days of leading people to, to, the, to the temple to, to worship. And, and, and right now those days aren't happening for him. It's, it's not a good season for him. Those were times that were joyful and there were thankful shouts. But why my soul am I so dejected? Like you guys, everybody around me is doing good. What, what's wrong with me? Kind of a thing. What's happening with me? Why, my soul, are you dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And then this significant phrase, put your hope in God. Church family, we put our hope in something. Put your hope in someone, amen? Someone, Jesus Christ. He's that living hope for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a Christ follower, you and I have this living hope. It's not like a, a hope-so kind of a hope. It's a no-so kind of a hope. And so much of our hope is horizontal hope, hope for something. And I get that. We understand how that works, hope for something. But the dynamic of hope in Scripture is this, this vertical hope, not so much hope in something, but hope in someone, amen? And that someone is Jesus, church. And that section of scripture goes on to say, you can have this living hope by putting your faith and trust in the person of God. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, recognizing I'm a sinner and 
I, I, I repent of my sin and I, I cry out to God and your grace to save me, to come into my life and to change me. God can make a difference in your life. That vertical relationship with him. So where are you putting your hope? If you're putting your hope in the stock market, good luck, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know our financial manager says, Bob, and I don't, again, we're not rich by any means, always says, Bob, don't, eat, don't look at it. You know, he says, don't, don't look at it. Right? So, you know, I just, okay, so just take, we can get so kind of, ra- we can put our hopes in lots of things, right? A lot of things. But he said, you put your hope in God. So you feel here the weight of hopelessness and the reality that our hope ultimately is in, in God. So there's a thirst for the living God. There's this pouring out of his soul, being transparent and seeing the need for hope and the weight of what he's experiencing. And then remember God is faithful in verse 6 and 8. As we defeat depression, one of those steps is remember and, and recall that God is a faithful God. See God's word here in verse 6 of Psalm 42, where the psalmist says, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. The psalmist mentions these geographical locations. And these locations, historians tell us, were north of of Israel, north of Jerusalem. Many scholars believe that this particular author penned Psalm 42 from this region. And so he's recalling the, the, the origin of the Jordan River and, and Mount Hermon and Mount Mizar and all these places and the water that's breaking and then this picture, this water just overflowing me. I can remember with depression, like it's just, I'm just being suffocated. It's like he just felt the reality that everything was coming in on him and that's, that's the picture that we see here. This author, I mean, he is deeply depressed, right? He, he feels the weight of what is taking place in his life. And I just so uh, like the transparency and the honesty. Isn't that good for us, church? We can look now and kind of, just, never met this guy, but kind of walk through here and just kind of see step by step what he was experiencing. And you and I often experience the same time, but we just feel like we are overwhelmed by life. We, we've lived in a season for the last couple of years that has been an overwhelming season. Difficult seasons in the work environment and in education and the, the political environment and all that, all kinds of crazy stuff. Ukraine and everything happening. It's, it, these are crazy times, church. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come, right? Dangerous times are coming and dangerous times are here. Our, our country, I'm not even sure, don't really know our country, it's just, it's just changing rapidly. Thankful that we have a God who never changes, amen? amen. A God who is faithful. A, a God who is with us. 
He, he, we don't, we, our God is not a distant, detached deity. He's a God who's with us. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life, the person of Jesus Christ. There's times we don't even know exactly how to pray. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit even prays for us with groanings that we can't even communicate. And God is gracious and good. So he just feels all this coming over on him. And I love this statement, the Lord will send his faithful love by day. Even in his depression, he cries out and just understands that God is God and he is going to be faithful his song will be with me in the night because those night journeys, remember for me at night, trying to get sleep, your, your, your mind doesn't go off. You just kind of, all those kind of things. He sees and feels all that. A prayer to the God of my life. I, I believe he's saying, don't, get, don't give up that God is faithful, church. I, I tell you, I wanted to quit so bad. I just wanted to quit, quit. And God uses adversity. James talks about that in James chapter 1. That God allows trials to come into your way. To do what? To produce in your life staying power. You know, to, 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 to engage and to stay, to stay faithful. I mean, we want to run. And, and God says, don't run, Bob. And I wanted to run so bad. I just wanted to get, run. And God said, Bob, remain. Just re stay there. I encourage no matter what it is. I'm, I'm sure there's, it's, it can be overwhelming. I'm not just, it's heavy. But don't, but don't quit. Stay in there. And see how God can work. Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. The steadfast love. I love this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord, he says, is my portion, says my soul, and the soul is a real you. He's talking to himself. Therefore, I will hope in him. Thank God every morning, you and I get new morning mercies. Awesome, man. Sometimes we just forget about the mercies and faithfulness of God. He's present. He's with us. Not only a thirst for the living God, pouring out our heart to God and our soul to him, remembering that God is faithful. And then in verse 9 through 11, this significant statement here of, of talking to yourself. Talk to yourself. So in verse 9, I will say, my God. So I will say, my God, my rock. I will say to God. So the psalmist here now is talking to God, talking to himself about God. I will say to God, my rock, being honest here, transparent, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? And if you've been there, you feel that sometimes. Where is God? It's, it just seems like he's detached and just distant somewhere. Some of you feel like you're abandoned by that, but, but God is present. So he just is the honesty of this. Why have you forgotten me? What must I, why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? These why questions, there are eight questions in Psalm 42. I think questions are good. Asking himself these questions over and over again. Verse 10, my adversaries taunt me. The word taunt communicates the thought and the idea of insult or criticize. I have people insulting me and criticizing me. 
my adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, this word picture, well, all day long, think about this, all day long they say to me, again, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Those are great questions, church. Why am I going through this? Verse 11. Again, why, my soul, are you dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Then I love this statement. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. For as difficult as it was, this statement here, he says to himself, talking to himself, put your hope in God. I will say to God, my rock. You know, you start talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. That's a, that's a great, significant statement. For I will praise him, my Savior and my God. One of the ways to disarm depression is to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. That is a significant statement. That's what the psalmist is doing here in Psalm 42. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor and then became a pastor for 30 years at the Westminster Church in, in London. He was there for 30 years preaching. Medical doctor and a pastor. He wrote a book after teaching Psalm 42. The book is entitled Spiritual Depression. It's a classic. I transitioned offices here last year and I put box, books in boxes and gave books away. And I looked everywhere in my, at home. I, I gave that book away. I just was going crazy the last week trying to find, it's a great book. I gotta, I gotta, I'll get one and buy one and find it. But just a great book. And the book is called Spiritual Depression. This is what he wrote in the 1940s. The book he wrote. The first thing we must learn is what the psalmist learned. We must learn to take ourselves in hand. He is talking to himself. He is addressing himself. We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. He goes on to say, in spiritual depression, we allow our self-talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that so much of the unhappiness in your life is due to the fact you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. That's, that's gold, church, right? That's, that's gold. That's a great statement. So this man stands up and says, who's this man? The psalmist, this man of Psalm 42. Are you with me, church? That, that's the man. So this man stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. Then you must go on to remind yourself of who God is and what God is and what God has done and what God has pledged himself to do. And we all said, amen, amen, amen. What a great picture of this psalmist reminding us, Bob, stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. You're God's child. You've been given new life in Jesus Christ. Right? You can just begin to share all the, the, the benefits and what God is doing. And 
you start going that direction. So I'm not just talking about it being positive here. I'm just talking, and again, this is, this is God's work in our heart. And again, you may need, and I, I would encourage, you may need to go to counseling, Bible, biblical counseling. You may need to go and should go see and make an appointment to your doctor. No doubt about that. But God and his word can encourage you that he's faithful, that he's present. He won't abandon you. And so the major point then is stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. In reality, we need to learn to preach to ourselves. We need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to preach Psalm 42 to ourselves and see what God can do and how God can work in our life. That's Psalm 42, 11, put your hope in God for I will still praise him. I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Our ultimate hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. I think about Jesus himself in John chapter 12. Excuse, I've, got, I've got new glasses. Are these kind of, what do you call them? Not bifocals, no. They're not bifocals. That's for old people. <laughs> the, the, what, the, what they, uh, progressive, yes, thank you. These are progressive, all right? And I, I, I tell you what, man, I am heaven. You guys are everywhere. I shouldn't have worn them today. I thought I shouldn't do this. All right. Here's, here's what the words of Jesus. Okay, in John chapter 12, verse 26, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Jesus is speaking. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour but that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Even Jesus and his humanity experienced the, the weight of despair and depression, church family. That's encouraging, isn't it? Even Jesus experienced that, the weight of that. Now my soul is troubled. Why should I say, Father, save me from this hour? But that's why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And God has put you where you are for this hour. Amen? For this time. And trust him. He's trustworthy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God is a trustworthy God. He's trustworthy. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I am with you. I will help you. I will be at your righteous right hand. God is a God who is with us. He's a God who is for us. And thank God for his word. Amen. Psalm 42. So I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe a season's coming for you. But remember, God is faithful through that. Go to his word. You can come talk to me, talk to us, our pa help people. We have a lady in our church, Sherry, who, who uh, counsels women in our church family. We, we, and we can do to help you navigate through that. And God can use your story, church family. He never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. And he uses his story to make much of his name and to bring great glory to him. So Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the transparency of this psalmist. His name's not even mentioned in Psalm 42. 
We thank you, God, for your word that encourages us and teaches us. So I pray today over this church family, perhaps in these seats today, you're in a season of, of doubt and despair, maybe depression, discouragement. I just want you to know there's a way out. And if we can help, if you know someone who can reach, just don't be embarrassed to step in and say, I need help from someone. I need help. God, help me. And in this room today, if you haven't put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, you can call upon his name, the name of Jesus. Admit, God, I am a sinner. I know you came to die on the cross to save me. You were buried. You rose again three days later, the resurrection. Because the resurrection, we can have this living hope in the person of Christ by calling upon your name by grace, repenting of our sin and saying, Jesus, save me. And he will save you. So, Father, do your work in our hearts, we pray. Thank you, Father, for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. And together, church, we said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.